You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 367. You're listening to The Lively Show. This podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. I am so excited to be speaking with you today. It has been a minute. I have been so excited to do a Flow Diaries episode for you. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the right moment to appear where I would do so. And it turns out the right moment is as I'm on a New Zealand Abraham Hicks cruise, cruising by some beautiful Lord of the Rings style beaches and mountain cliffs in the Milford Sound right now. But also, I just want to say at the start of the show, if you hear any strange noises in the background of the recording, it's because there is a cruise ship happening and everybody is going about their daily activities while I'm in my room recording for you. So hopefully we'll minimize the distractions, auditorially speaking, but you know, we'll do our best with this. I just have the inspiration to speak to you now and I'm so excited. And it makes so much sense in a lot of ways that it's happening now because there's so much I can now wrap up in a Flow Diaries episode to really explain some amazing flow that I've had in my life, but also kind of give you a greater arch of time that I've been experiencing throughout this year that earlier didn't feel appropriate to be doing a Flow Diaries episode which I'll get into, and you'll kind of see where I can skip forward through some parts that would have been too detailed to share on a podcast because of the privacy of other people in my life. So I was like waiting for the time where I could do this, and it felt like the right and space time and enough, you know, juiciness to give you guys in terms of flow so you can hear some great stories of flow at the same time. So let's get started. Before I get into the actual flowy, flowy diaries part, I also want to say IVFT 2023 is starting in January. January 16th will be the first week of our training. It'll run for seven weeks, and I'm so excited. This will be the fourth or fifth time we've run the course. I'm very excited. I thought the last time we ran it in 2021, I think it was 21, it was the last time we did it, and I heard my inner voice say, this is the last time you're going to do the training, or I kind of had that feeling, that intonation within myself. And I was very curious when this kind of came back up and around to do again, I asked my inner voice, what about that last time being the previous round? And it said it was the last time is Jess. And actually, that's a good piece of the flow diaries to share here. I have now changed my name to Bella. Now, legally, my name is still Jessica. You're still welcome to call me Jess. My mother named me Jessica when I was born. You can keep calling me Jess. I'll keep answering to the name for sure. It's just that Going forward, as I've turned 38 in October 15th, I have made my first birthday as Bella. Bella was a name my inner voice gave to me during one of the cacao ceremonies I had with Atlas last year. He asked my inner voice, he said, her name's not Jessica. Ask your inner voice what your name is. And I asked, and I heard the name Bella. At first, it didn't really land for my mind, but over time, it's become this deeply loving, amazing, beautiful, obviously, no pun intended, Bella, beautiful, but I love it. And so now this IVFT round is my first time doing it as Bella. So that was the answer. And it's been very interesting because as I get into the flow diaries, there really does feel like there is a two parts to my life or maybe even a little bit of a third, which we'll get into, but IVFT 2023 happening very excited to do so. I always say for IVFT members when they take the training to take a photo of themselves before they do the class because their face will often shift and look so different energetically, visually. It just relaxes and unleashes so much within the students that take it. So it's something that I'd recommend for you too if you join the training. If you do join us, there'll also be squads. So I also wanna mention that piece right at the start too. Uh, you not only have the large group setting with me teaching the major classes at the start of each week, but we also have squads, which are roughly about four people per squad plus a squad leader. The squad leaders are IVFT graduates who love the training so much, want to be a part of it again and help you to deepen your connection and get good at becoming a certified facilitator if you want to do this for you know, your career as well, or a part of your own training. So we have support on the individual level with all of those squad leaders that are right there for you. We also have squad members that you get to work with and become friends with. People now that are through IVFT, they're traveling the world together. We've got Leticia traveling with, who's Australian, who's now traveling around with different, we have Susie, who's German. We've got loads of, you know, Lauren Ciesco is one of the American Californians. We've got Guillen, who's from London. They're all traveling around. Those are just some of the people 
that, that come to mind right away from the beta rounds that are traveling the world nomadically, some of them, sometimes just for short periods of time, like Nishi, who's also from the US. There's just like so many fun connections and interactions that are happening on such a deep level. Some of them are now living together, basically. So you do not need to do that. There's also many women that have children, <laughs> that have families, and like Nahama comes to mind, that have not actually, you know, started roaming around the world. Nahama has four children. <laughs> so she's not, you know, sitting there in Sayulita with some other friends. But, you know, everybody's friends, whether they're digital friends or they're travel buddies or they're just friends in real life, you name it, there are so many great connections happening in the community themselves. So there are over 174 previous graduates living their lives from their inner voice and transforming and releasing their emotional beanbags and so much happier for all of that wisdom and releasing involved. So if you're feeling a bit heavy or a bit stuck or you want to help your clients in a deeper way or you want to help your kids stay connected as they already are connected when they're born, but keep that connection through a world that is becoming more and more mental by the day and more and more disconnected in so many ways at so many levels on a mass consciousness level from this wisdom, joy, peace, eternal inner security. If you're looking for that in your own life or helping your clients do the same in their own sovereign selves, this is honestly an incredible training because it gives you your own sovereignty in a way I have yet to find another training to do. So I'm so happy and thankful to be able to offer this to you guys, your pure awareness, the gift of your own wisdom and the time and the energy and the space holding for that. So if it feels like a fit, you can join us. There's a three-part payment plan, which is currently available just for a short time, just for, I think it's just like this week and next week for the most part, that is going to be available. So if you want to spread out the payments for IVFT, you can start doing so now at justlively.com slash IVFT, Inner Voice Facilitator Training. You can do that now. I'm so excited to work with you if your intuition feels it's a fit. In addition, our Embodied Alignment class has now wrapped up. This was something that I always like to say it was in honor of Ella. Ella's our amazing team manager of Team Lively. She's so incredible. And all London summer that I spent with her, she was like, Jess, do this class, do this class. And I did. I did this class on embodied alignment, how to live, eat, and move from your intuition and get your mind out of your body's way so that your body can have its natural harmony within itself in terms of how it moves and how it eats. So if you've ever been like myself with nine years of eating, issues, restrictive, binging, you name it, mentally running marathons, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. If you ever find yourself stressed in your mind about your body, Embodied Alignment was an amazing class. It's now evergreen, so you can now join it directly at JessLively.com slash Embodied Alignment. And I love that class. It was such a dear group of people I got to know so well, and it was so beautiful. In the last class, I've never had a training besides maybe IVFT, but besides that, that have had so many people saying, my life is so different feeling than before I took the class. Like you could see it in their faces and their energy as well, but they were just saying it over and over and over again in the hot seat and the last call. It was beautiful. So if your intuition feels that's a fit, again, you can join the Evergreen class now. Okay, so now let's get into the flow diaries. <sighs> big sigh, big uh, breath so I can uh, get into this, get all juicy with you guys. I'm going to retrace my steps from this summer up to now because there has been a lot of flow, but I can give you the greater context of how the energy has been flowing for me over, I think it's like four different continents as it's, as it's come to be. So here's what has happened. So obviously, as you may have known, if you've been listening to the shows that I've done a little bit through the summer and also on Instagram, I started the summer at the end of July in London. Now, when I was in London, I felt so good. I've always loved London. London has been a place that I visited even during those five years of full-time travel. I usually did two to four months a year in London just because I love London. It's great. And it just feels like home. So as I was there, Atlas and I had the completion of our relationship. So that was a something I've touched on in a previous episode, but also just to, you know, for those who hadn't heard that episode and didn't know, Atlas was an amazing partner I had for 10 months of my life, truly an incredible human being on so many levels. And for personal reasons, which because it involves Atlas's life as well, and not just mine, I'm not going to get into the details because it's truly no one else's business. You know, I don't want to let Atlas's privacy becomes something that's compromised in the fact that I'm a public figure. So for that reason, I'm just going to say it 
peacefully completed and that chapter of my life is no longer active in the romantic way that it was, though we're still friends now. So that part happened and I stayed and followed my intuition to staying in London. So I was there and loving and thriving and just I feel like that relationship with Atlas was so healing on so many levels to so many things that the Jess part of my life just needed, always wanted to have this relationship that was in so many ways exactly what Atlas and I had. There were other pieces that weren't fully what I want, and so for those reasons, we're no longer together, but there were so many pieces that were so beautiful that it was so soul-satisfying to, especially or character-satisfying, to my mind and to everything that I wanted to experience. And because of that, I think there was so much healing that happened. And also at the same time, it really cemented this knowingness of my worthiness and deservingness for everything that I want in my relationship, not just a good portion of it. So I was able to appreciate all of the beauty in it and also see where it wasn't exactly what I wanted. And there were some fundamental pieces of it that were missing and that I don't want to sacrifice on because of the beauty of the pieces that were there. These other ones were also fundamental and weren't. And so once I find in the future, if ever or whenever, that might be where I have the fuller picture of what I'm looking for, wonderful. But in the meantime, I now know there's nothing wrong with Jess. There was never anything wrong with me with all of the relationships I previously, mostly the dating ones, caused the most inner strife for the for the Jess character. And it's now I can see because of the people and their capacity or their connection with me on a soul level was just not that strong. And so I used to think there was something wrong with Jess. There was nothing wrong with Jess, but also there wasn't the right match in these other people. And so now there's nothing wrong with me. It's just knowing what I want, and now also being so happy within myself. I love my life, and I love being with me more than anyone else in my life now. And that realization is so special because I was alone for five years traveling in a suitcase looking for a partner because I wasn't as happy on my own. But now I can do the same thing. I'm in many ways looking like the same way that I looked those five years in two suitcases, all my life possessions with me. And the energy and the frequency and the contentedness and the solidity and the presence that I have here and now without feeling any loss, you know, no partner, no family, no children, and I am happy. Like, I think the Jess would have been scared of this Jess or Bella because Bella doesn't have the same perspective on the same scenario that Jess previously had. So anyways, I was thriving in London. I was also really investing in friendships that I'd had for years, but really deepened the emotional side of that connection in terms of connecting with friends and going to them for emotional support through the completion of the relationship, for example. I have this friend, Jess, in Detroit. Dear, dear friend, I feel like we have just so helped one another in our ability to, instead of needing a partner to be this this person we go to to connect and share and have this kind of emotional companionship with, we have each other. And so because of that, you know, obviously it's not a sexual or romantic relationship, but it is the emotional companionship that I truly love. And she can talk to me anywhere I am in the world through WhatsApp. So it's such a beautiful piece of what I always is previously looking for in a partner. I've just found through friendship. And it really, really comes to show that, you know, so much of the relationship mentality I had in the past was to fill many buckets or many roles in my life. And though that is something you can get from a romantic partner, of course, and I may do so in the future, I don't need it right now. It's not a missing piece of my puzzle. I have it through a different format. And I have my daily life that I love living with myself. So I have my emotional companion. <laughs> I call her my emotional support person, like an emotional support animal. She's just my emotional support person. And we can do that for each other as long as it serves us. And if we ever find romantic partnerships or other things that happen in our lives that bring us into a more spacious friendship than as tight-knit as it is now, that's fine also. But for now, it's really serving both of us beautifully and helped us up-level our lives in such beautiful ways and feel so connected on such a deep level within ourselves and with each other. Okay, so that's been really beautiful. I also had deep friendships with my friends, for example, in Portugal, like Mary, who joined me for my birthday. I turned 38 in October in London. She came over and joined me for the weekend, which was so over the top sweet of her 
to think of me and to do that for me. We had so much fun. She helped me welcome in my Bella birthday, my first birthday at 38 as Bella. And yeah, the name Bella came into being something I actually wanted to go by in London as the completion of the relationship happened in a way. I just kind of felt this huge shift in who I was and how complete I felt in myself that was so different from the Jess era of my life that I was like, yeah, something really big has changed. And having a new name to go with it just kind of felt nice and appropriate. And I also realized, you know, a name really means nothing. So who cares? Call yourself whatever you want. But how did I want to go through the second half of my life? Did I want to go by Jess and die with the tombstone of Jess or Bella? And I literally thought, I'd prefer Bella, so why not go for Bella? So I'm not legally doing anything like I mentioned earlier because I've got a lot of visas and passports in different countries that I'm living between, and I don't want that to get too confusing. I think it might be hard to figure out how to legally change my name in two, if not three countries over time. So for now, I'm just gonna wait until things settle down more, or maybe never I'll change. I mean, Samuel Clements is Mark Twain, and everybody knows Samuel Clements is Mark Twain. So. Bella Lively is Jess Lively. They're the same. But one just is where I like going forward with more. And the other one is a great indication of where I've been and how I've come. I actually see it kind of like a spiral or a nautilus shell, which is such a beautiful analogy for consciousness always expanding. So I feel like Bella is a new spiral off and from the smaller spiral within itself, which was Jess. So Bella is kind of still a continuation of Jess, but on this larger echo on the larger octave, that's the word, to the previous experiences I've had. So that was London, loved it, saw my dear friend Eileen and Mark and just really lived a beautiful, small, wonderful life walking 10 to 15 miles a day in Hyde Park and getting coffees and being with myself, staying in beautiful places, shopping and outfitting to my heart's content. I really just thrived because one of the realizations I had in a breakup that happened before Atlas was that what I had done was mentally tortured myself <laughs> waiting for this person to arrive to Lisbon who was supposed to come and be with me. And it because of personal reasons for his own life, he got delayed in coming. And I just sat there waiting and waiting and waiting to thrive for him to arrive. And I realized as I did the postmortem of that relationship, I really wanted to get the most out of what I experienced in that and not repeat the past. And so one of the realizations I had later was like, oh my gosh, I could have been thriving while he wasn't there yet, but because I was making his presence part of my thriving, I was making myself miserable. And in part, I think I actually, in a sense, might have accelerated the breakup. I'm sure the breakup would have happened for one reason or another, but I think I actually accelerated it because of that unhappiness. I was creating it within myself. I could have been thriving, but I wasn't. And then once we did break up, I did start thriving. And then Atlas flew like effortlessly into my life, but I was thriving and there was nothing different than the fact that I chose not to be suffering anymore. So after this breakup or you know transition completion with Atlas, I just started thriving in London and just realized there's nothing holding me back except for myself and any related beanbags. But I didn't have too many beanbags based on the way and why the relationship unfolded the way it did. I was just in a lot of clarity and compassion, but also clarity, so much clarity that I just started thriving because I knew what I wanted, I knew what I deserved, I knew where I was going, I knew I was okay on my own, and so thriving was where I went. And that's what I did for that period of time. Then I, at the end of October, I think it was October 20th, I went over to Lisbon. I did go back to Lisbon after being in London for 89 days. And as anyone who travels a lot knows, you get about 90 days in places like the UK or the Schengen EU region. So I did 89 days in the London and also did Scotland for a short period with Eileen as well, because Eileen lives in, or is from Scotland. And I, I always love Scotland. And it was very interesting when I was in Scotland, I should say, as far as flow goes. I went there with my friend and then I did a, about a week by myself in Edinburgh. Now, Edinburgh was a place that I visited every year for five years in a row. I just really aligned to it. Although my heritage is Irish, a quarter of my, my grandma was Irish, I didn't really, I do like Ireland and Atlas lived 14 years in Ireland. We visited together. I've been there on my own, but Scotland always kind of has my heart on those aisles for some reason. So I just felt this, you know, this kinship with with Edinburgh. And so I was there and it was so interesting because I could feel into the energies of the city and I could tell there was like a little ghost of Jess 
that me that was traveling in the suitcase before Lisbon that was still stuck in her own energy. Like I could feel my old own energy stuck there. And so I helped that part of me, that younger part of me move forward. And I didn't even know she was still stuck until I was there and feeling into the energies. But when I was, I was able to see that there was a part of me that needed support and help. And so I just kind of like breathed into it, beanbagged it, you could say, and helped that part of me catch up to where we were today. So that was very interesting. And then when I got to Lisbon, it was also fascinating. I could tell upon arrival that Lisbon, obviously I don't know the future and I have no idea if it'll include or how it might include Lisbon or Portugal in my future. But upon this 10, 11 days that I was there, I could feel into the fact that a lot of my kind of smaller, more extended friendships felt really complete. Like I didn't have a lot of charge like to connect or impulse to really have much to do with some of the more peripheral relationships in Lisbon. But of course, the more meaningful ones still matter, like my dear friend Mary that came to visit me in London, for example. So there were still a few people that connected and have this ongoing live connection, but a lot of the other ones kind of felt naturally complete to me. So that was interesting. And also just the city in general, I just have such a dear heart in spot for it for the relationship with Atlas. My inner voice has kind of confirmed all this, that they basically, I couldn't have ended up in Australia sooner because I was meant to have the relationship with Atlas. Atlas and I on a soul level were meant to come together and we did, and we did so in Portugal. And so that was the service of that phase of my life and really the overarching purpose of me being there and not getting into Australia sooner was because he wasn't in Australia and he was going to end up from the EU heading from Ireland over to Lisbon. So that's where we ended up coming together and that's where we had that beautiful experience. I'm so grateful. It's such a, I feel like that was our city to be us together. And that was beautiful and I'm so happy that I had it. But when I was coming back as Bella, it didn't really fit Bella the way that it fit Jess and it fit that relationship. So when I was there, I had the calling to and the knowingness to give away all my possessions yet again. Now, as you guys may know, I did this in 2016. In May 2016, a woman a week before I was heading to Europe to go on a little summer trip offered to buy my house and all my furniture. And then in the process of that, I asked my intuition. It said to do it. I did that. I gave away everything I owned or sold everything to her. So she bought all the bulk furniture and possessions, accessories in the house. My neighbors next door watched and later adopted my dog, Ellie, right next door. And then let's see, the other stuff like clothing and stuff that I couldn't fit in a suitcase, I ended up three months later, coming back and schlepping over to the donation center and just gave away my life, like sewing kits and all of those little details of life, like my shoes from my wedding, all those things that didn't have a place in my suitcase and traveling and didn't belong in this woman's house that had purchased, you know, three months before. So I couldn't keep it there any longer, but it didn't belong in my travel life. So I gave all that stuff away. And that was interesting because it was kind of, let's say, if someone's ever had a family member pass away, I kind of executed the will of myself. I helped that version of Jess transition. And what was interesting about that is if you look at my driver's license, I sometimes do this as like a joke because I realized over the years, if I showed people my driver's license while I was traveling, even in those five years as the travel dress, people are like, you don't look the same anymore. Like you don't even look like that person. It's like that version of me was one little, little spiral inside of Jess. And then the travel dress was another spiral. And so that experience of kind of executing the will <laughs> of that version of me then was something I'd already experienced. So this time around, going from Jess to Bella from the travel years of Jess was what I was letting go of because all the possessions I had accumulated in Portugal were from the period after I'd given everything away in 2016. And really, it was mostly just stuff I had gotten since 2020 when I moved to Portugal because still living on the road, I couldn't have too, too much stuff and have, you know, I only had like two suitcases, maybe a third somewhere else at 
at a friend's house. So there wasn't that much stuff. But over the two years, I was very committed and convinced I was going to spend the rest of my life in Portugal with Atlas and we were going to, you know, live this future life. So I wasn't holding back from accumulating possessions, home goods, some furniture, although we always stayed in furnished places, which looking back is such a gift because I had less furniture to give away (laughs) this time around. Just a lot of clothes, mostly. So I knew that instead of putting this into storage and shipping off to wherever I might be next, I actually looked into the energies of those pieces and they were all pieces of Jess. They weren't Bella. And over that beautiful time in London, I'd really cultivated and had this big head start on what Bella Lively was going to be, what that experience of that reality was going to be. Because at the truth of it all, we're pure awareness experiencing ourselves through characters. Now, Jess Lively was a character, and so is Bella. Bella's just a made-up character that Jess Lively, also a made-up character, is making up. But as pure awareness, we do this all the time through all of the lifetimes. So now I'm just doing it with deliberate intent rather than unconscious awareness. So Jess Lively was created through unconscious awareness of what I was. Bella Lively's being created just as equally unreal, in a sense, as Jess, but it is... I'm doing so with more intent and choosing and choice and awareness now. And so it gets to be more fun and light and easy because I'm not taking it so seriously like I used to take Jess seriously. So anyways, I was like looking at all this stuff and I'm like, this is all Jess stuff. This isn't actually Bella. And having those few months to just be with myself in a place that is beautiful and very Bella being London. I was just like, yeah, this stuff in Lisbon doesn't serve Bella. So I gave it all to friends. Unlike the first time where I did a big drop at the donation center for, um, you know, the personal stuff that Molly, the woman that bought the house, she actually now sold the house. So the Ann Arbor house now has a separate owner to the person who previously purchased from me. But the woman that had owned it from me, you know, she didn't want my personal life belongings, like underwear, clothes, stuff I couldn't fit in the suitcase. So that stuff went to donation. But this time in Lisbon, it all went to friends. I can tell you where every single item went, which is so fun. And it was so beautiful to think of like, where does this Chloe bag belong? Who gets to have this piece? And it was so fun to imagine the styles of all of my friends and then gift them pieces that would look great on them. I'm so happy Mary has a size 39 shoe like I do. So she got all the shoes to keep for herself. We have I have a friend who looked great in the little Chloe basket bag and actually it looks better on her. She's so petite. She's so tiny that her the bag on me was like, a nice size bag, but on her, it's so cute and oversized. It's perfect for her and she's loving it. And so it's so fun to see all these pieces that I loved are now getting even more love in their new lives and their new owners. And just like Jess Lively's becoming Bella Lively, these clothing items are going from Jess items to Mary items or Jess items to these other people. And then the bulk things of a lot of the pieces that I didn't have a direct knowingness of who to give to. I have this amazing, my friend Chris and Emily have created this company in Lisbon called Paco, P-A-C-O. If you live in Lisbon, it's something definitely to know. They do custom services for people in the city, especially expats, and also have a mailing address that you can have packages shipped to. So I used to always use their address for my packages. And I know the girls because they're so sweet. They always, the people that work there message me when I have a package to arrive. And so they're so kind and so sweet that I just set up a little free shop for them. So all the bulk items that I wasn't sure about what to do with, I gave them in the little free shop. And I said, take all of it, take as much of it as you like. There's no holding back, just go for it or give it to friends that you know. So all of the rest of the pieces went to them. And it's just so beautiful because there's no sense of loss. It's just gain from new people. And it's been funny as people knew that I was gonna do this, someone like Mary was like, okay, so that black Isabel Moran sweatshirt, if you're not keeping that, <laughs> I've got my eye on it. So it's so funny that, and even Eileen in London was like, she watched me wear this knit skirt and I've given away things so many times over the years to friends that they kind of know this about me. They're like, okay, like when they see something they like that I'm wearing, they're starting to have the courage to just let me know. <laughs> Then when I'm done with that, please give it to me because I really want it. So Eileen got the knit skirt she was banging on about through the summer and she actually got an entire, that's also fun. Eileen, oh dear Eileen, Eileen's been like a sister for me for so many years. She lives in London and Scotland and has not had the chance because of some health issues to travel the world as much as I have. And I've got a lot of clothes from Bali, Mexico, 
like you name it, France, England, Hawaii, so many places. And she has such an international desire to travel. And what I did was I made her a suitcase of all the pieces that I knew she would love. And also she hasn't always historically had the funds for this kind of stuff either, or the interest in clothing or fashion, but I gave her her own personal suitcase of incredible pieces from all over the world that now she's gonna get to wear as she travels all over the world. And she won't have to spend her money on the clothes. She won't have to spend her time outfitting like I love to do. She's just gonna get to enjoy and wear it right from the start. So that was a really special suitcase to pack and actually did something with the suitcase that I didn't have the room to keep in my life. So it was so perfect. Everybody got the things. As far as the home decor, that was also an amazing piece of flow. So Mary, as I mentioned, dear friend, probably best friend in Lisbon for sure, she had just purchased a new building with her partner to turn into their family home throughout the next decade of their life. And they hadn't moved there very long ago, and a lot of their stuff didn't work in the new space because the new space was much more architecturally old and traditional, like my old Portuguese place. And their other place was more modern. So they let go of a lot of the modern pieces, but they were very sparse with what they had in their home. It was feeling very bare. And she told me all about this, but as it flowed, when I was there, I brought, Atlas actually helped me with all of this. He helped me move everything to all these different people's places, which was so nice and wonderful. And I took all the stuff that was our home stuff or my home stuff I had purchased over those years and I gave it to Mary and she was so sweet. I knew, I was like, please let me put it in your house. It almost makes me cry now like I did before when I did it. It was so beautiful because I love decorating. Even though clothing is a new passion for me, There's something about home decor and home style that has been, since I was five years old, the most meaningful part of this reality to the joy of creation. For me, besides consciousness, is home stuff and making a home. And Mary was so sweet. I took the stuff over and I put it, I said, let me, let me style your house for you. You can always move it. It's 1111 as I record this part of it. <laughs> so meaningful. I said, let me, let me style your house. She likes decorating and has her own beautiful designs in her head as well. But I was just like, let me put it where I would put it. You can always move it once I leave, but just give me the chance to take the stuff from the house that I lived in and put it into your house where I believe the energy's best put. And you can always move it when I leave. I don't care, but just let me do this. And she was so sweet and so amazing. She's like, go for it. And so I just spent the afternoon putting everything that I had accumulated, all these precious possessions into her beautiful home and helped make her place her home. And it, everything had a spot. Every single piece that I brought in there, there was a spot for it because it was so empty and open. They had some major pieces of furniture, but not the finer details like the crystals and the baskets and the candles and the the glasses and all the stuff I'd been curating from the other apartment is now beautifully in place at her house. So I got to see how the home that I lived before and loved so dearly is now going to be dearly loved by my very dear friend. So that was a beautiful, poignant, poignant moment that even though that part of my life was completing, it wasn't actually dead. It was just going into its new life, just like Jess to Bella. Jess isn't dying, she's just transforming. And those home pieces aren't dying, they're transforming into Mary and Dan's place and their stuff and their home and their precious possessions. So I love it. She also has given me this very beautiful license to say, I will hold it as long as you want. I'll keep it forever if you prefer. Or if you come back and want it, it's yours as well. So that's also very nice of her to give me the potential to do, though I love seeing it in her place. And I have the chance to now go forward and buy and curate the reality for Bella. So that was beautiful, and it was beautiful also to see Atlas, of course, like I mentioned, we're still friends, so that's all good there. And then I headed off to Michigan. All right, so Michigan was the place that I went for six days of this year to the United States. And my dear friend Jess, who I mentioned that I talked to for sometimes hours a day on the phone when it flows for us to do so, she and I got to catch up. I also spoke at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, which is where I went to college and also where the little house was that got sold before my trip to Europe in 2016. So there was a lot of wrapping up there too. So in Detroit, I got a new passport, which I love because Jess, the traveler Jess, had this new passport that she filled. I filled all the pages. They're completely stamped and double stamped. 
So that passport needed to go, but I got the new passport and I got it right as I'm traveling as Bella. So of course the name on the passport's Jess or Jessica, but the passport photo is the photo of me as Bella. And it just, I got the big fat book, 50 pages. So I've got many more chances to travel and fill it up as needed as travel may happen in the next 10 years, but it felt so aligned to do that. So then I walked up to Midtown after I did the passport stuff and I got to see the old flat I used to live in. And I didn't actually go into the flat, of course, because there's new owners there, but just doing that walk and imagining myself doing that walk every single day like I used to when I was there in 2018 for about four to six months, it just didn't suit me. It just didn't feel like the fit. It was so interesting to think that that used to be what I wanted to be, quote unquote, done with. And here I was walking and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that Flo took me from there. I'm so glad I'm not here. I still love Detroit. I still think it's great to visit, but I could not imagine living there 365 days a year. I could just tell that wasn't my place. But at the time that it was, it was. Just like the time that Lisbon was my place, it was my place. But also I could tell that's not my place. It was more about looking at the tour of who Jess was, that character, that aspect of myself, that smaller middle spiral, you could say. And that was it. And then also Ann Arbor was also the same. So I spoke at U of M to my dear friend, Mary, my mentor's class. She's an amazing, very accredited professor now, such an incredible human being, so amazing. Whenever I was in town, she would always let me speak to her class. So that would be something that I'd like to do. She'd let me say whatever I wanted. And I would just speak from my heart about everything I wish someone at the University of Michigan Business School spoke to me about when I was in class because I was so unhappy there. And actually that unhappiness sparked the contrast that became why and how I do what I do. So it was beautiful to see her, but also I now realize she's going to be retiring in two years and moving to California. So that may have been the last time I spoke at University of Michigan for Mary's Heinz's class, which is just also just a big piece of Jess's life, especially Jess in the middle spiral. And that wrapped up. I also saw the old little house that I had that I sold to Molly and then, you know, is now owned by a different owner. And I wanted to see Ellie. I hoped that the owners that own Ellie and own the house next door to Ellie were there. So I thought that'd be fun if I get to see Ellie again. I went to the door and a different dog. So Ellie lived with a sister, Frida. Ellie's a rescue rat terrier with some beagle and some probably Jack Russell in her. And Frida, her sister, was a rescue Jack Russell. So two little girls living in the house with two high-pitched barks <laughs> were not there to be seen. There was a big dog, like a Labrador or some kind of bigger dog, barking there instead. And I was like, oh gosh, they've moved. Ellie lives somewhere different now. Of course, I still have the contact and phone number for the owners of Ellie, so I could find out where they are. My guess is, based on where they previously were, they had family in Wisconsin, and they also did lots of teaching and professorships in Holland. So they're probably in the Netherlands or Wisconsin. Of course, I can reach out to them if I want to. But there was something really, in, in a sense, beautiful about that too. Ellie's not there either. Basically, I was walking through the history timeline with Jess and all the pieces of Jess were getting, you could say, almost erased. Now, <laughs> to a human perspective uh, that feels like this is our only life and I have to matter and do I exist and all this question marks of stress and everything, that could be very sad or depressing or something. But for me, I saw it as beautiful beautiful like how beautiful to die before you die to see that that life that house that magical moment where the house was sold all the furniture i'm on the road traveling the dog is you know adopted next door there are new owners in both of those homes that know nothing about that experience i had how interesting is it that they have no clue i existed and that that magic happened for me and that I got to witness that all of that has changed and erased. The same is true, you know, at the flat in Midtown. Detroit is different now. The person I dated in Detroit's gone from Detroit now. It's as if it didn't happen. It did, of course, happen. It's still in my memory as the beautiful gift that it was, but it's no longer my now. And I kind of love that because it helps me live so string-free, so attachment-free to all of these places, spaces, and things, the dear friendships that are still active in my life, of course, still remain. And Ellie has moved, actually, 
the essence of Ellie, the spirit of Ellie as I know her to be. She's living with me in Bella Vita. I haven't actually mentioned Bella Vita, but that's something that I started cultivating in a very deep way in London. So I wanna do a class on it and people keep asking me. They're very excited when they hear about this to, to do the class, but I'm still giving it time to develop. I wanna give it four to six months before I put it into a class for you because I want it to be as helpful and in-depth as as I can make it for you. So I'm still working on it, but basically I'm creating my own reality and I spend a lot of time living in both realms at the same time here and in Bella Vida simultaneously, or I'll go straight over to Bella Vida and live there. And I have Ellie living with me there. So Ellie, I experience every single day. The essence and the energy of Ellie is present with me. So her body is not here. I don't even know where her body is in the planet. And I'm guessing her body is still alive, but her essence, her energy, her spirit is also with me. And so Ellie is actually not gone. I kind of almost in a way, not seeing Ellie's body and the energy of Ellie as she's connecting to the family she's with, is actually kind of beautiful because she's living even more purely in my reality with me. So anyways, sidebar to that. Then I moved on from Michigan after those six days over to Sydney. And it was a very interesting overlap for the first day that I landed. That was so beautiful. It'd been three years since I'd arrived. I arrived smoothly, easily, safely. And then also this was a fun flow for you guys. Okay. So flow moment, I paid a lot of money to do premium economy with Qantas. And if you guys fly Australia, you will want to do, if you can, premium economy on an Australian airline, like Australia, Virgin Australia, I don't think is doing the flights. I don't know if they'll return to doing them. I wish they would do it from LAX to Sydney, but I've done that flight many times and love it. Premium economy is like a mini business class for Australian airlines. So I was very excited to pay a lot more money to do that versus economy for such a long flight. But when I was in the line to board, they called my name to the front. You know, when they say is, you know, just lively around. So I go up to the front. And by the way, I am so tired from this. I flew from Detroit to LA. So, and I was still jet lagged from Europe. So I was still Europe jet lagged, but I stayed awake and I stayed through this six hour flight or five hour flight from Detroit to LA. Then I had a seven hour layover waiting for my 10.30 flight to take off. 10.30 Pacific Coast time, which was 1.30 a.m. Detroit time and like 5.30 or 6.30 a.m. Lisbon time. So I basically stayed up through my body clock an entire like 24 hours for this point. So I was so tired. And they said, we're sorry to say that your seat in premium economy is broken and it will not recline. <laughs> and you have a choice. You can either take that seat or you can go to business class, but also the seat is broken and will not recline. So you can either have a broken premium economy seat or broken business seat. <laughs> which I was like, what? I am so tired, probably more tired than anybody here in this room because that level of jet lag and staying awake and sitting around for so long, not sleeping was really hard on me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my luck. So I obviously I take the broken business class seat because why not get better food in the broken seat than the other food I was gonna get? So even if it wasn't gonna recline, at least I got a better, yeah, foods assortment or something like that. So I take the business seat and I talk to, and I'm really kind of sad. I'm like, this is not a good flow, obviously. You're like, how is this a part of your flow diaries, Jess? But anyways, I get to the seat and I tell this wonderful stewardess about the or flight attendant that my situation and how tired I was. And she's like, oh, we're sorry, the seat's broken. There's a few other broken seats as well on the plane. But I just like tell her the story. I wasn't in a charged way. It wasn't like a beanbag reaction, but I was just truly pretty, pretty darn tired. And she knew and she's, you know what? Let me see what I can do. And I was like, okay, whatever can be done. I go to the bathroom and I think I took my contacts out or something. And as I returned to my seat before we took off, she pulled me aside. And she, oh, I, uh, by the way, when I went to go put my contacts in, because of Bella Vita, I've been playing with, in my inner voice every day, I talk to my inner voice in the morning every day, I let it speak through me to my mind to kind of give a little update on anything that my mind might be pondering. And it says, it started to play with this whole idea of like, give it to us, let us solve this for you. So I used to joke like, and in the passport stuff, I was nervous about the passport stuff not working because of, I don't know, I was just nervous that if it didn't work out, I wouldn't have a passport to use on the flight two days later. So I was like, oh my gosh, this has to work, this has to work, or I can't take off the next two days. So when I got the passport, the woman's name who gave me the passport was Angel. 
I loved that flow. I was like, your name's Angel. And my nervous said, I said, give it to us, give it to us. And it was like, give it to the angels. <laughs> so I had this person in my mind 48 hours later when I'm actually flying, as you can tell. And so I, as I walked to the bathroom, I just said, give it to my angels, like give it to my inner voice, you know, give it to us, give it to us. All right, fine. Take this potential, please. I don't love this broken seat situation. I don't know why you gave me to this one, but I give it to my inner voice, go to the bathroom. And I was return. She says, I want to take you aside. And she goes, we can't say this out loud to the group because there are other people with broken seats, but I have a lot of compassion for how tired you are. So it turns out that the engineer of the plane is sitting in business class next to you and he can manually lower your seat for you. So when you want it to be lowered, just let him know and he'll come around and like on the down low and he'll fix your seat and you'll be able to use it as you fly. And I was like, it was like, talk about calls from the angels in the heavens. So all of a sudden I went from having a broken seat to a first, not a, well, basically there was no more first class. It was a business class seat that would have been double the, I mean, 10 times the price of what I, actually I don't know if it, it would have been double the price of my premium and 10 times the price of economy. And instead of having to pay a dime for it, I got a full flat bed and I got to sleep the majority of that flight there. It was so angelic. Talk about flow. That really was. So I was so happy and I've been so amazed every time I hand it over to my angels, <laughs> magic happens. So I've been really having fun with that. Anyways, so then I arrived pretty fresh actually because of this flat lay bed and this beautiful food and the business class seat. And so I get to Sydney and as it flows, I have one day overlapping with my friend Ezzy, who was used to be my close friend in Sydney when I was living there. And she actually now lives between New York, LA and Melbourne, but she actually had for reasons of visa stuff for her own US visa, she was in Sydney for the day. She was taking off the following morning. So I get there at like eight in the morning. I then land, get changed, checked into my hotel or my Airbnb. And then I, at noon, catch up with her and I have the afternoon with her. So the first time I'm walking around the city, I'm ironically or magically walking around with a friend that I had from three years before that I used to do this with all the time. And I hadn't seen her in person for, I think those three years, I hadn't seen her. So Ezzy, as you guys might know, some of you guys know Ezzy, she's been on the show in the past. She used to be once upon a time, a astro an astrologer and she wrote books on the moon cycles. So she's very aware of the astrology and she goes, Jess, did you know, or Bella, <laughs> did you know that there's a solar eclipse tonight at 9.15 p.m.? I had no idea. I just picked the flight because I had a knowingness that my inner voice wanted the 8th of, of November to be the flight that I took, but I didn't know why. I just knew that's the flight that my inner voice wanted. But it did work out to be aligned with Ezzy's flight and also it worked out for her to tell me about this solar eclipse, which I had no clue was gonna happen. And then it was amazing. She goes, it's the time, it's a really, really good time to wrap up old phases and accelerate the start of new ones. And I was like, well, I've just wrapped up. I've just spent the last three weeks giving away my life and seeing the past phases of Jess and all of the, basically the tombstones of Jess Lively. And here I am starting off. And I knew that there was probably some energy of Jess from Sydney over those three years that I was hit, spending so much time in Sydney. I was like, I bet there's some old, just like Scotland energy to clean up here for the Jess character that's probably still lingering around. But also, she did this amazing thing. She goes, look back. These cycles of the eclipses happen every six months. So she goes, look back on what happened to you six months ago. I was like, okay, we sat down. She looked at her calendar and she said, what was happening to you in May? I think it was May 16th. I could be wrong about the date exact, but I think it was like May 16th. So I, I looked at my calendar, pulled up May 16th or whatever date she said, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> So these cycles happen in these waves, like the begin, the end, the begin, the end, like waves every six months. That weekend that she pointed out for me to check at was the date that I was in Algezor, Portugal with Atlas. And it was the time that we decided to come to Australia. We decided to come to Australia on the eclipse that was happening at that point in time. And then I landed on the next one. Boom. Talk about some flow. I did not mentally know any of the eclipses were happening. I was just living in the flow of alignment and intuition. And here I was landing on the day of the completion of that start of the wave, accelerating into the next thing. It could not have been more perfectly aligned, but I didn't mentally have to try hard at it or think about it or know about the eclipses or any of it. It was just the flow. It's just how things went. So that was beautiful. 
super wonderful. In terms of, you know, wandering around, I did a little completion ceremony to help accelerate the old Jess energy from Sydney. And I realized that the areas I previously loved so much about Sydney, I could tell right away, Bella doesn't connect. The Bella energy of me or of my consciousness doesn't connect to the places that Jess connected to, at least at this point in time, the way that I previously did. So I could tell that Sydney's gonna have to look different for Bella because what I loved as Jess doesn't connect to the same degree as Bella. So now I'm very, very open. It may be Sydney, it may be other parts of Sydney, it may be Australia, it may be other parts of Australia, it may be not even Australia now, I don't know. All I know is that there was a big piece of completion of the Jess and the Potts Point Woolloomooloo areas that I previously lived in and though they're still fun to visit and they're pretty and Apollo is a great restaurant to go to, I actually don't connect to living there again in the same way that I did before. So we'll see. Right now, Paddington in Sydney is feeling much more aligned for my energy as Bella, but I you know, have to go back after the cruise and see how it suits me and what flows. I still have no idea about visas or visa agents to work with and what way I may be able to stay or not. I still have the visa for Portugal, so I can always fall back on that if I want to. I could also look forward into London, although if I had to choose at this point my Bella life now, if you had to ask me what I'd prefer, at this moment, I'd prefer to be somewhere in Australia that I love and connect to and then do the summers in London. So the winter of Australia, I'd love to do summer in London. So I have a little bit of that culture and multi-international worldness that I love so much out of London, and then also have the easier, cruisier, relaxed, beautiful lifestyle of Australia. But what's all to be determined, I have no true clue what will actually occur but I think it's so interesting. And I guess I'll give you guys one other interesting piece of flow. So in the Airbnb that I booked, I loved how the design of the flat had such beautiful pieces of art and was really well curated. What I didn't love about the flat is that I ended up having five cockroaches, four of them within 24 hours of me being there. It was really gross. I like woke up in the middle of the night at one point, kind of like the broken chair scenario. I was like, how is this in flow? I had two cockroaches flying around in the dark in the living room. Thank God they weren't huntsman spiders. So, I mean, it could have been worse, but the cockroaches still weren't fun or pretty to look at. I caught one of them. The other one escaped into the kitchen. So I then had the next day, like a heavy alert on the flat. Where's the cockroaches? The next day I had this is so gross to say, but I had one on my arm and then it later landed on my, across my face. That's so gross. In the bed while I was sleeping the next night. It was disgusting. I didn't catch it. It landed on the back wall and then on the headboard and then it escaped somewhere into the bed. So I was like, I'm not sleeping in this. I'm going to sleep in the guest bed. I wouldn't have chose to sleep in the guest bedroom because it didn't have the design or the aesthetic or the spaciousness that the major bedroom had. But I wanna point out the disgustingness of the cockroaches aside. By the way, they've now offered to refund me the money for the three nights that I was going to stay later. Cause I was like, I'm just gonna go to a hotel. I definitely don't want cockroaches like crawling on me literally. So they found a fumigator to fumigate while I was there. And they're like, you have a choice. You can either stay for free for the remaining three nights or you could totally go to a hotel. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate this because obviously this isn't a great customer experience for, especially as costly as the, <laughs> the place was, I was like, definitely not wanting to pay for that kind of experience. So we'll see if the, you know, the refund goes through and everything. still waiting on that to actually happen. But I moved over to the guest room and my inner voice said, it's totally fine to stay. You can stay. You're not going to have any more issues with cockroaches. And to be fair, I only saw one later in the kitchen that was very easy to catch. He was just like, put a Tupperware over it and it was, you know, caught so it was very simple but because of the fumigation I think that did help and I didn't have any issues in the guest room but I noticed the art on the guest room walls and this is what I think is interesting to share about the flow so because of the master room let me say there's a few pieces of art in the master bedroom but one of them specifically there was this cow <laughs> picture it's kind of a painting of a cow it sounds strange but that's what it was and it had the word ollie o-l-l-i-e on it and the significance of that to me, as I looked at it later, of course, I didn't spend any more time in that room because I knew the cockroach was somewhere in there, but I did look at the piece of art. So when I was in Ireland, 
with Atlas in the very beginning of our relationship last year. It was November of last year. I remember feeling so overwhelmingly happy and so thankful for our relationship and actually undeserving of the relationship. And just because I, it's kind of like a dream come true feeling. And I just, at the time, didn't feel like I had this feeling of unworthiness to it. I didn't mentally want to say that I was unworthy of it, of course, but I felt this feeling like that. And so I shared with him in one of our cacao ceremonies and I named it Ollie because there was an ostrich on the wall of the friend's house we were staying at while we were doing the cacao ceremony. And I pointed to this ostrich on the wall and it kind of had this befuddled look on it, like a little scared befuddled look and I said that's how I this beanbag in me feels is Ollie and I named it Ollie and over the relationship in those early months I would say sometimes you know I feel like I'm feeling the feeling of Ollie and he was super nice and you know compassionate about it and just hold space for me and the relationship and just keep loving me and you know so over time of course I got used to feeling deserving and worthy of what I had so that Ollie feeling subsided. But I remembered that I had randomly chosen the name Ollie for this ostrich. I think it's because it was an ostrich and it had this look and it was kind of scared. I don't know. I picked the name Ollie. But what I noticed in this flat, and I didn't pick about this flat about the art. I didn't even notice the art in the bedroom photos, but the bedroom had this cow that had the same befuddled look as the ostrich. And it actually had the words painted onto the painting. It must've been the artist's name was Ollie. O-L-L-I-E. No last name just the words in all caps, Ollie. I should have taken a picture of it, but I did it anyways. So I'm like, so interesting that the cockroach landed on me in that room. And then it landed me because I didn't want to be around the cockroach into the guest room. In the guest room, across from the bed, there was another major piece of art. There's probably 12 beautiful pieces of art all over the apartment. But the next piece of art that has significance is what's across the bed in this guest room. The guest room bed has this big piece, kind of a poster sized piece of art that looks like a giant coloring book with lines. It's white with lines, just like an adult coloring book would be. And the coloring book is a theater. So like a big ornate, like Fox theater, art deco theater, like the Royal Albert Hall kind of theater. And it's not filled in except for one item in the front corner. Again, I should have taken a photo. (laughs) This sounds too good to be true, but it's just how aligned it was. In the front of this theater, the only piece of the coloring book that's filled in in color is a man with a giant set of binoculars that are hoisted up around. This sounds so bizarre and surreal because it is kind of a weird piece of art. (laughs) So it is kind of surreal. But to describe it is like there's binoculars above and over his back. He's got them and they're looking above and over him, almost like like an inner voice is looking through these binoculars above his head. So he's looking forward, but also these, these binoculars that are almost on a totally different scale. They're bigger than he, the body actually is. And they're looking over from behind over his head forward as well. So these binoculars are looking forward and he's looking forward and they're colored in. And I had done a kinesiology session this week while I was there with this man named Bruce. And this man named Bruce, very wonderful kinesiologist said, you should do some coloring books, adult coloring books. I think it's gonna be good for you to do adult coloring books just to spark your creativity about your career and what's next for you. And he just kept saying adult coloring books. So it caught my attention that there was this adult coloring book piece of art in this wall, but the piece of art and what was colored in was this man who was looking for something. And what I take out of this magical cockroach alignment, (laughs) bedroom swapping, was that I went from the Ollie energy of am I worthy and am I deserving with the Jess energy of relationships and partnership. Am I worthy? Am I deserving? You know, that Ollie, that befuddled look of curiosity and trepidation and fear and cuteness all in one. I went from Ollie the cow or the ostrich that felt like that beanbag too. The coloring book's getting colored in. And the first thing that's colored in is he's looking for me, which is something my inner voice has said about my partner in the past. I won't have to lift a finger and he's looking for me. And this coloring book piece of art that I got switched into, I wouldn't have even noticed this piece of art to be fair. I wouldn't have even gone in the guest room or had the opportunity to like observe the two pieces of art in contrast to each other if I hadn't spent the second three nights, the second half of the trip sleeping in the other guest room. So there you have it. That is a magical flow on a spiritual level that most people would never even catch or assign any kind of significance to. 
But my awareness is so on that it's hard to turn off these kind of noticings. Like I went from one room to the other. I went from Jess into Bella. I went in from the, am I worthy? Am I deserving Jess? To I am worthy, I'm deserving. And he's looking for me. I don't have to lift a finger. His binocular self, that soul self is already helping him find me. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to lift a finger. So anyways, with that, I will, that's like so magical to me, but I didn't have to do this. I just had to observe it. It was just there. And I didn't want to move to the other room. I wouldn't have chosen to be in the other room just because of the art. I certainly just did it because of the cockroach, but Let's see, let's see what happens next. In the meantime, I am loving the New Zealand cruise. I am so happy that I, this cruise so far, I've got maybe like 10, nine or 10 days left of the cruise, so much more to be seen. But I have to say, I'm really loving my time with myself more than the cruise or the people. I don't know anybody on the cruise ship. I have met a few listeners on the that are in the Abraham event, so that's cool. But I haven't like made any close connections yet. I'm just loving time with myself and just having this blast in this little suite and just so happy that I upgraded. Jess, my friend in Detroit, was encouraging me to upgrade to the suite level rather than the standard level of rooms. And I knew that it gives me other benefits like different restaurants I get to go to if I want to and different options. And I've done it before at the suite level in the Alaskan cruise. And so I was like, I knew the benefits, but I was like, oh, it's more expensive, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, if just see, my inner voice said, if it flows, take it. If it doesn't flow, don't take it. So when I reached out to actually book the cruise in the first place, I got the last suite. I asked if there was one available and they said, yep, there's one more left. So obviously it was available, I followed the inner voice. And I'm so glad I did because I just feel so happy in this room. And because I've done the cruises in the past, I know what there is to do on the boat and that kind of thing. But I feel more excited and personally aligned to doing creative work and just being with myself and being in my own little room and space. So I'm so happy that it's a more spacious space because it's my favorite space to be on the boat. So anyways, so happy to be here. So happy to be talking to you. So happy to be sharing with you all of the flows that I've just done and who knows how many more yet to come. So (laughs) until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today.